0: Hey Luke, how you doing? I'm good, how are you doing Pip? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, well, you know, not too bad, it's uh, obviously strange days that we're all living in. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, welcome to the first ever In The Frame podcast, episode one, the pilot. Good time. Oh. great isn't it? Good that we
1: could be doing
0: this. Mm, definitely, yeah. Uh, and so we're going to start uh, by asking a couple of questions. Do you want to quickly go over for the audience uh, what... What, what this podcast is about?
1: Yeah, well, I think I, we've been thinking a lot for, for a while, haven't we, Luke, in terms of under uh, One School Barking Dog, the media charity, where hopefully, you know, in the summer later this year, we're launching this uh, initiative called In The Frame, which will be a um, basically a portal on the OSBD website for emerging uh, young filmmakers. It's a place where they can create a profile, they can engage, they can network, they can share work, they can Get access to resources, access to us. Uh, hopefully, over time, it will be a commissioning base. It will be somewhere, maybe even competitions and festivals flow out from. Mm. I thought that during this kind of, you know, really challenging time that everybody's facing, that one of the things we could do is at least start doing some video podcasts to try and mm. give out hopefully some useful information to to young filmmakers and and to explore some things. So this is the first kind of test one, you and me having a bit of a conversation about yeah. <laughs> how we both got into it and some things that hopefully could come out of that. And then in the next ones coming up, we're hopefully gonna have some interesting guests and being going to be able to tackle some, so hopefully some, some some useful issues and information that could be of great benefit to people.
0: Yeah, especially in this, this time in the world, that's gonna be great just to have open conversations and have a, a bit of community based around, all that's going on, yeah. So my first question to you, Pip, being being the man, the myth, the legend that started OSBD is, how did you get involved with filmmaking uh, way back when?
1: Wow, well, okay, so that, yeah, that goes back a long way. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, just that uh, I, I co-founded OSBD, um, uh, but the, yeah, I guess for me, I was a youth worker, really. That's my story. I was a youth worker in Birmingham. Uh, which is a big for those of you from, who are not from the UK. It's a big city in the centre. Um, I was a youth worker there with my wife Debbie. We were working for a large church, uh, doing a lot of work out in the community. And one of the things that started to evolve was to start to create media, which was instigated by a young person called John Miles, who years later now is a is a trustee of the charity. Mm-hmm. But was a young person that just wanted to explore creativity wanted to explore you know can we start making things that would be useful for other young people uh, back then 1990s. it was pre <laughs> it was an adult. we were filming on begged and borrowed compact vhs equipment <laughs> by crashing two vcrs together and then you know, So, and, and we just started to make these kind of little films. Some were kind of just quirky, funny things. Some were like box copy type things, asking people questions about stuff. And, and I was out there as a youth worker, speaking at sort of various conferences and stuff. And I'd take these little videos with me and people would be like, where did you do that? Where did you get that, you know, etc. cetera, et cetera. And it just kind of evolved and grew. And then over a the few years, you know, other people getting involved, you know, people like Tim Dendy, Bob Taylor, who's the chair, of it all, Rob Herbrick. You know, lots of different people got involved in giving time. A local company that was a professional kind of video-based company, CVG, they gave us a lot of support and and it just evolved and grew. And then in 2001, it actually became a charity and then became a really big part of of my life. I discovered that I had a real, uh, I guess, a a kind of a producer is a a mixture of a kind of a salesperson and a project manager. And as a youth worker, (laughs) you're definitely both those things in many ways. So it was a natural step for me, but also I, I love creating things. I'd come from a background if I had been, uh, you know, an amateur theater director, um, of a young people's theater group, you know, I'd been involved with a friend making videos years before. Um, and, and I guess I just really enjoyed it and it just became kind of the direction of my life at that point. Really
0: Amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. And so what over, the past 20 years have you learned from that whole process of going from like digital not got not digital going from analog to digital and just seeing the community change
1: well i think the big for those of the those who've never worked in a, an entirely analog world it was um a lot more technical challenges back then equipment was a lot more expensive unless you were using the very kind of low buy consumer stuff which we were certainly to start with I think digital has has definitely democratized certainly the access to equipment, good equipment for people to make things. And now we live in a world where, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm shooting lots of visual stuff, stuff that we're working on at the moment together. You know, I'm shooting on my 4K camera, you know, my (laughs)
0: smartphone,
1: you know, which has a 4K camera. It's just insane, you know. Mm. Uh, The technology now is is definitely not the barrier. It's, It's about content. It's about but ideas. And even though those have always been the basis, I think, of whatever you're trying to do, is that your ideas are strong, your stories are strong, and all of those things, is that um, yeah, back then, yeah, equipment was definitely more challenging. Mm. But it was exciting, and I think that's the thing I still really love about creating things, and particularly working around young creatives, emerging, you know, sort of talented filmmakers, is it's just this real passion mm. that try and do something, make something often in the background that there isn't a huge amount of money. Um, and, and I think that's just really exciting. I think that's definitely for you and me, that's one of our real passions in OSBD is to mm. help other people to, you know, not see it necessarily as a barrier that, that maybe they're struggling to break into industry or they haven't got a lot of experience or they haven't got huge access to amazing, like Hollywood kit bags. You can do brilliant things with what's available to you. So I think for me, it's, it was that evolving sense over the years that things are possible if you yeah. work out. That's never gone away. It's just that the technology has evolved and around that, the opportunities. And of course, the opportunities now that you can, back in the day, you know, we were, as a charity, we were like right at the forefront of stuff that was happening. We had a guy that was connected to us who was creating what would become MPEG-4. So we we were heavily involved in a lot of the, uh, original kind of experimental stuff around sort of coding video and downloading, and, uh, and of course, that's just exploded these things the world. Not so only can you make things, but there is a there are so many ways now that you can broadcast what you're doing. Mm. Of course, the challenge is still, as it always has been, and it's what I say constantly to people: how, how you get your stuff out there, how you market what you're making, how you find an audience and developer. Mm. And That's definitely something that we'll be exploring further on. But look, back at you, you, you had
0: <laughs> turning it around on me.
1: What what did you get involved? You know, what as a young person, what was going on inside you that you thought actually this is the direction that I want
0: to go in? Oh, so uh, I started uh, my dad was a BBC editor, and so he when he when he went through college and he worked for the BBC, worked on at Channel 4. He then uh, then owned his own uh, post-production house. And so just filmmaking and uh, films and what they mean was very much around the household uh, while I was growing up. And so I just, once at school, was just like, let's just make a film. You could so make a film. And then I threw my parents into the deep end to try and help their kid make this film. But then I just kind of caught the bug from it. And ever since then, I've been making really tiny little small videos. Like I have uh, big hard drives of stuff that I shot 10 years ago of just random random little little bits and bobs. And so as I kind of grew up, I wanted to make bigger and bigger things. So I tried making bigger films and then I tried making smaller films that I could do on my own. And uh, yeah, it just became clear to me that this is what I wanted to do. And that I had, this, uh, I had this wanting to tell stories and that's the only way I could do it that worked with my head was to uh, film it and to edit it together and to kind of combine it into this, this package that was filmmaking. Uh, and so, yeah, I just sort of I caught the bug at a young age, being able to capture what was going on around me, and then I just haven't stopped since. And
1: uh, obviously, that was something that was brilliant that your your parents, particularly your dad, were able to help you with mm-hmm. that. Will have that opportunity, but as you it became something that you knew that was the direction you wanted to go in. What kind of decisions were you having to make about what you were doing at school for your exam? Mm-hmm what what came after school for you what mm. what the decision making processes around that to kind of try and map out how you could actually develop yourself
0: mm. I think it was um with filmmaking it's a really odd me, me and mean me and you both know it's a very odd way to get into filmmaking because there are seemingly endless ways that people get into it it's like you got in it through uh through the youth work and then I got in it in it through my dad Uh, And then I know people who have done the whole, gone to university, studied, got master's, and gone through it in that way. Um, As I want, I realized I wanted to do this when I was in year nine. And luckily, because I live in Birmingham, there's an incredible school here called the Birmingham Ormiston Academy, which is a specialist uh, arts school uh, that you go for like year 10, 11, you go for your GCSEs and you go for your A-levels there. And they give the same weights as a normal school would give English, maths and science to the creative arts. And so I went along as part of the creative media course. And so I learned filmmaking alongside my English, maths science when I was doing my GCSEs. And I just, I decided to move school so I could have that, be in a place where I could learn more. And I'm I'm really grateful for that time because uh, the two years when I did GCSEs, it was that I wanted to prioritize making films at the same level as I was prioritizing doing English, maths and science. And I wanted to learn how to be creative just as much as I wanted to learn how to learn what what cells are. Uh, And so I went there because that would be where the people most like me would be. Because most schools have like a small filmmaking arm and a small filmmaking part, or it's normally tucked away in ICT. uh, And I just wanted to go where the films were. And so I I went there and I I studied. I did my GCSEs there and I did my uh, kind of course there. Uh, And then I went on to A-levels and in that A-levels time, they really encouraged us to just go out and start making films and start doing things. And being the stubborn filmmaker that I was, I just said, well, cool, I'm just going to go make things then. And so I did. And I, I took up opportunities. I took up, uh, I made little short films in my spare times. I made big films in my spare time. And then along the way, I stumbled into A, helping my school do bigger and better things. So I actually helped in my last year of of college to help revamp the, the, uh, the live streaming system that they had at the school. And so I ran live streams for uh, the music pathway and such. Uh, but then I also, I went to a different, I, went, I invested in my skills further and I went to a BFI training week uh, where I met you Pip, as you remember. And uh, from then I was like, well, I got to keep, start contacting people. So I, I worked with Michael Clifford, the bathroom winning director, who you might have on the show at some point. Uh, and then I, I contacted you. And then we we ended up working together more and more, and so in it it came clear to me in this time. A, I wasn't very good. I'm not very academic because I've got I've got dyslexia. I was never good at the paper side of things, and so the kind of the whole going to university and doing it that way was not very appealing to me. Uh, but what was appealing to me was apprenticeships and doing the apprenticeship routes. And that's when uh, Pip stepped in here, and I became an apprentice to Blue Hooper Media, and I've been working on bigger and better things since. Uh, to the point where we are here now and uh, we've been working together for like almost almost three years now and uh, we've made feature films together, we've done small indies together, we've done uh, commercials together and it's just been a really good progression between making stuff in my bedroom uh, to making stuff for uh, the mass media and for feature films. And so that's my way of getting into it but then I know people who have done Crazy other things. So, I've got lots of friends who've worked on Star Wars and I've worked on Black Widow and I've done the kind of supported training through mem- uh, mentorship groups, through education. And then I know people who invest in math degrees and do it that way uh, because there's so many different routes and so many different areas to it. So, me and uh, we both live in the independent sector where things are a lot smaller. But then I've got friends who want to be in TV. And so, their way in is through the PA route of going. Well, I, I'll go work as a PA for, for doctors and they'll progress me into other BBC dramas and so on and so forth. And then I've got friends who want to go into movies and so working getting a PA job on a on Black Widow movie or Star Wars episode, episode nine was the way for them to go. And so it's just, it's really fascinating the different ways people get into it. And that's, that's just my way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something we'll definitely explore more and definitely, you know, with other people that we, we have to chant. Yeah video podcast as well because I think that's something that people often are like I I just don't know which is the right route for me Mm. Uh, and so I think that's something we definitely will explore a lot more but I think some of the key things to pull out of that with you is you took the opportunities and I think that was really good Mm. you know you stood out on that BFI that film academy that I was was part of running uh, in and then you know you came back and you volunteered on it and you you helped out and, and like you said for uh, my other company, Blue Hippo Media, which is the one that's more commercial uh, outside of the charity. Blue Hippo, for those that don't understand, kind of grew out of what we we're doing with OSBD, the media charity, back in the and became a sort of more of a commercial filmmaking company that went on to then make several feature length films that kind of is starting to kind of you know, kind of bees off now and a lot more attention coming back actually to, to the charity, which is really exciting. But, but yeah, that gave me an opportunity and I've been doing that with lots of young people across the years. But mm. take up an apprenticeship and then out of that, you know, you've then gone fully freelance and we've been able to give you, you know, opportunities like working on the two feature documentaries as, as the main editor, which has been amazing for you at your mm. age. Yeah. That role, you know, really, really well. So I think we'll definitely explore uh, lots more things around around that. And I know that one of the things we're looking to do, aren't we, is to set up some live some live sort of podcasting sort of uh, webinars where we'll give people an opportunity to connect into us live and talk about what they're doing. And, and certainly in those sessions, I think they can chat more about where they're at and what they want to do and maybe what, what, what the opportunities might be for them at that point. But like you say... There's so many different groups and ways, depending on on what you want to be doing. Really, yeah. um, That's great. So, what were the kind of? I mean, you obviously talked about you had a, ch- a chance to go to a specialist college, which obviously was really mm-hmm. helpful. But as you, even now that you're, you know, you're you're a freelancer now, you, you're still doing stuff with me, you're doing stuff with your charity, you're doing stuff with people. What are the barriers, do you think, for for young filmmakers to correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, lifestyle out,
0: out of what you're doing. Mm. Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, there are lots of barriers, I think, uh, and so the the people I the pe- the young people I see working in filmmaking still are the ones who can basically take a punch and take the uh, the the days that don't work and the jobs that don't work or the missteps and such and just get back back up. Um, it's always imp- Everyone I know who's under the age of 25 and working in, in filmmaking are uh, the kindest people possible. Because you kind of have to be, otherwise you don't get hired back. Um, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just because there's so many people who want to be, uh, there's so many people who want to be in the creative media and so many people who want to work creatively. And there are lots of jobs going around, but everyone wants to be the big director role. Everyone wants to be the big cinematographer have, or run it or run the show. And so what really actually is helpful is learning how to be a cog in the machine and how, learning how to do the job really, really well and then being really kind about it as well. Uh, I remember working on a couple of short films and my role was, I was a second camera assistant on this film called Off Grid. And uh, we, it was that whole, I had to do my job well so that uh, Ash the second, the first assistant director, first assistant camera operator could do his job well, and then the cinematographer could do his job well, and it was just even if the days were really long, and there were really long days, and even if things weren't going as planned, uh, if I could do my job well, then the film itself would be doing really well, and on top of that, and so it was that whole. But there were there is a chance. There's a feeling when you're a PA that you know what's best because you've done film school. You've got you've got your ambitions and everything, and so it's just taking being a bit humble about it. And uh I think some of the challenges is that because it's oversaturated, you've got to find your your way in, you've got to find y- your people you want to work with. And then just be be insistent in going, hey, is there a job coming up? Can I come join you? Um and not expecting uh things to fall fall into place straight away. Like I did a, i did a good year of either low pay or no pay kind of work. Through, through like smaller, smaller projects and slightly bigger projects before I was being paid consistently through the apprenticeship, but also through other work as well. And now I'm at the point where I need to really consider, uh, if I do free work or not, if I do free work, because I now I've got the skills to be able to go, actually, no, this is what I can bring to the table. And so once you get to the point where you can go, this is what I could bring to the table is the point where you can start going, okay, now I can Kind of going, oh, I've got this idea. Can we try this? What if we try this? Uh, and just see where things grow from there.
1: The real, the real challenge then is,
0: and I mean, you talk about it, you can kind of take
1: it, mm. the is we come across this a lot, don't we? About it, it, it feels like you know, unless you've got parents supporting you or mm. you're, you're living at home for free or whatever the situation is, that so you, you can kind of not necessarily have to earn a lot of money during those. Mm period where you're trying trying to break through or whatever it might be. Um, that's kind of the challenging part of the indie sector, isn't it? You know, unless you've gone the kind of the the academic route and you've got, you know, good good level of qualifications mm-hmm. and then make or you've gone for just a job in a bigger organization like the BBC or one the etc. So
0: to so the challenge I, was, I, I always have jokes thing. that uh, one of the best things you can do as a freelancer is date someone who's not a freelancer that way there's someone paying the rent each month <laughs> and just like to kind of get out of that loop. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And um,
1: I think what, I, what I say to a lot of young people, though, is that, you know, there is no shame, you know, in because I get a lot of young people come to me like, you know, they're desperate to be filmmakers, making films, doing their own thing. And, and often they feel there's a real kind of perception issue, that they feel like they're either a fraud or they're... Mm. Might be that, and 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 because you know they're, they're working in McDonald's or wherever it might be, just to pay their rent or you know to, to, to have some money in their life. And I think it's really important that it doesn't matter what you're doing to sustain yourself during those yeah. to trying to find those opportunities. You know, as long as it's legal, but feel um, <laughs> any sort of embarrassment about that because you know the great artists of, of the world, going back centuries, they all had to sustain themselves. Mm. One. You know and um and i think you know it, the the challenge is i guess to have a strategy that if you're you know sustaining yourself by flipping burgers five days a week how can you have a strategy to get to doing that four days a week mm-hmm. three two days a week and that the work that you're doing that's actually starting to earn some money, what you really want to do which is being involved in making films whatever set in, starts to actually take over and become sustainable for you but again mm-hmm. i think that a lot
0: more in these, in these podcasts. Yeah, well, well, hopefully we'll be able to get my friend. I've got a lovely friend called Eben, who is the same age as me, and he just came back from working on uh, the new Black Widow movie, uh, the new Marvel Black Widow film, and he was, uh, he, was, he was on a locations department, so he was helping out with locations, managing the set, and really just being there for actors on the day and everything. But he worked as a waiter at Ed's Bastion Cricket Ground uh, on and off, while he was getting his footing, getting his getting his car license ready to go, and now he's he's returned to Birmingham to train to become a stunt stuntman to get on the stunt register. Uh, after seeing what how, what what the incredible stunt work was going on at the, on the Black Widow set, and so and he is an exceptional um, assistant director uh, from what he's been learning on sets and being being helped around all these things, and he chose a flexible job to be able to do that. And so he is he is by far an incredible filmmaker who also takes a knee and knows right if he does this and this. And I think now he teaches yoga uh, while training to be on the stunt register. It's something like three years worth of training uh, before you're allowed on it. And so he is still a filmmaker, even though right now he's training to have the next role. And I think that's important, too, is that there's not always going to be work coming through. And especially from different areas. So, in the independent sector, you really do have to find a way to support yourself. But also, there's no like shame in wanting to go to BBC or ITV and work there because it's they've also got some incredible gigs, incredible things going on. And so, it's always it's always incredible if you can get a job in a big company or work in a different way that lets you to pay the bills another way. And because there's no shame in it at all. It's at the end of the day, you're still a filmmaker if you've made one film a year or twenty. Uh,
1: you talk about Evan as well. So obviously, I've been involved a bit with Evan. Mm. And he was adamant, you know, in those early days, he was he wanted to be an AD, first, you know, a first AD. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, that was the role he got. But through having opportunities and going on things, things like some really big movies. We mm. all don't work. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing I think is really interesting. is That when you're when you're starting, you might have very strong ideas about what you want to do or how you see yourself. And, a lot of people it's always you know like you know the writer director or the cinematographer or you know one of of the really kind of major roles but actually as you get more and more exposed to the various things that go on within the world of filmmaking it may be that you discover there's something you never really thought of that you really love and you're actually really good at and that becomes Mm -hmm. so I think that's another good kind of point that we'll we'll explore further but for you Luke you you've kind of ended up Doing a lot of, you know, your main thing, I suppose, now is editing. What what was it about editing that kind of drew
0: you? Yeah. Well, I always wanted to be a director, Pip. I always wanted to be behind the camera, shouting action and all that. And uh, when I was making short films, I would do that. But because there's no money, I would always just edit as well. And my dad, being an editor, he would teach me how to edit and drilled into me at a very early age how to edit properly and what the ways to do it are and such. And so when I started working more professionally, I could just go, well, I'm really good at this. So let me do this for you. And then uh, people said, oh yeah, that's done a really, really good job. And so I kept getting praise and get kept being asked back to edit different projects and different bits and bobs. And so it just dawns on me that I'm actually really, really good at this. And I prefer this even to being on set all the time because it's really good being on set in that kind of that space. But then also there's so much control and there's so much creativity to happen behind the camera on in an edit suite and I think for my generation and my kind of way of living of this whole we're very much a digital generation of doing of being online and such. it just works with my head being able to edit and I get to imbue my creativity in the way I cut and direct uh, in loose terms how the film looks on the screen um, and, I, and, and then also I get to work with great directors like yourself and have that dialogue of how things work and such. I think it was just we in the last few films you've made, uh, we've always we've both had moments where we go like oh let's try this oh this works really well, uh, what if we do this what if we do this? Uh, there's just so much fun, and so I, I chose the route I think would be fun. I also chose the route I know I can, I I know I can sell, and I know I can and used to pay the rent in the future. Uh, I just also I'm really good at it, and i and I really enjoy doing it too, and so it's just. I, I wanted to pick something I was good at, and I wanted to pick something I could I could grow and develop further, and uh, I, I'm very happy with what I've chosen now because it's something I can see it sustaining me going forwards in my career, and uh, yeah. So I, same thing of going. I wanted to do one thing, then I realised I was good and I really enjoyed doing another thing, and I've stick and wanna I want to stay at that cog, and also saying that I don't want to be that. I'm I'm also content with not being the main editor. Because I can've I've done uh, assistant editing for you in the past of other feature films I've organized things in the past of other films and so I, c- I can reach out my skills in other ways to those different companies for uh, I can do this if you want for your for your film or I can do this and just see where that goes in the future uh, mm-hmm. and so pip uh, what would be we've talked a lot about young filmmaking and we've talked a lot about my journey and how and the journeys of other young filmmakers. What would be your top tips uh, for the for filmmakers, any young filmmakers who are watching this right now? How how would they? What would you recommend they do to get started or to grow their talents?
1: Right. Well, I always say to people, I think if you if you what if, if you making films is something that you really want do, then make films <laughs> um, you know, and I remember uh, some years back interviewing for a role that we had uh, on a project um, at Lucifer Media and we were interviewing a number of young people some who had universities some who hadn't you know uh, and I remember uh, a certain person came to the interview and I think it had been two years since he finished doing media at university and asked after what films are you making? So, you know, I haven't made any because I've not had an opportunity. You know, it's really tough to get in the industry and I've not been involved with anything. And and I just so I went like, just the interview's over. <laughs> it's like, we, you know, we we want to engage with people who've got a real passion for what they want to do. And if this is something you really, really, really want to do, there is no way you would have spent the last two years doing nothing. Mm. You know? And so that's my first biggest mantra is, you know, yes, of course, there can be huge obstacles to earning a living through doing, but there are certainly not obstacles to getting involved in making films. So either whether you're doing that yourself on real lo-fi kit or not so lo-fi nowadays, you know, with the mm-hmm. in your pocket, but you can be making stuff. You can be developing ideas. You can be working on other people's films. You can be networking. So I think making films, networking would be the second thing, making sure that you're plugged in. Wherever you live, you know, there will be something, there'll be some kind of group that identify themselves, in some ways people who are making films. Now you might live way out rural, you might have to look at that to a nearest city or a large town or something. But you will or, or online, you know, which is what we're going to be doing through in the frame, you know, find communities where you can tap in. Stress about who you are, what you want to do, and be available to support and help other people. You know, now, of course, absolutely don't get yourself in situations where you've, you know, been asked to go and work on a, you know, a film set for three months for absolutely no money and you've got to pay all your own expenses. Be wary, be wise of not getting abused. But yeah. particularly people making short films, just get involved, get to know people, get to try out different things, you know, just be making stuff, learning. Um, so I think, yeah, making stuff, networking. And then I think the third thing that my top tip would be really is to believe in yourself. Mm. I was saying before, you know, you may feel like, oh, I'm, you know, you go into a room and there's all these people and they're doing this, that and the other, and you can feel really insecure and inadequate. And, oh, well, I've not done that yet. And I've not, I didn't go work on something like that. We like that guy did. You know but those things will come you know Mm -hmm. just believe in yourself you know believe in the dreams that you have um and i know we're living in a obviously we're living in a very difficult time at the moment where people are locked down and those opportunities aren't going to be there but there's lots of potential online you know opportunities to connect in to find people that you might in the future collaborate with etc but have that sense of belief in yourself and that and that sense of which it's you know just Putting yourself out there—it's um, definitely those people that I think sort of uh, get on. So those are my three top tips, really. You know, Amazing. Stuff, making sure you're networking in and actually
0: believing yourself. Mm, I think the believing yourself one is is really important, just because it's it's can really be really disheartening when things don't go the way you planned it to. But you're still a filmmaker, and you're still worthy of being in that room and such and because everyone's path is different, and everyone's path to getting to filmmaking is uh, just is so varied and unique. That just saying, oh, I'm, I'm done because I haven't done this, is, uh, is total lies. And so, yeah, totally agree. Well,
1: that's been brilliant, Luke. I mean, I think hopefully, hopefully this will be sort of to people. And yeah. uh, after the first kind of pilot test one, but um, there's going to be more stuff coming up in the near future, isn't there?
0: Yeah, there is, yeah. Thank you everyone for watching the first ever In The Frame podcast, number one, the pilot. Uh, Be sure to uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram for updates, and we'll be coming out with more visual poems and little short films and blog posts in the coming weeks to hopefully, hopefully, uh, entertain you during this lockdown and beyond, yeah. And also,
1: one of the other things that we wanted to do, it wasn't just to alert people. Definitely, connect with Facebook where we'll put in most of the updates and stuff we do have a website which will, all of this information will come up at the end of the podcast anyway but make sure you're in so you're aware of the updates but we also want to be profiling some young filmmakers over the next few months as well and that's yes. doing doing some kind of little interviews and just sharing their work and doing something you know sharing that on social media and stuff so you get in touch with that interview as well but we'll see you again very soon yeah Thank see you,
0: you, all. you all next time bye bye